0: Tonight we're gonna go through Isaiah chapter fifty eight and we're gonna read verses one through twelve. Isaiah fifty eight, we're gonna read verses one through twelve. Uh, this is going to take us into the, the the core and the 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 true essence of fasting. The true essence of fasting. Amen. And so in in, in in the Bible, in Isaiah 58, 1, I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. And the reason why I'm reading from the NIV version, I believe that it will probably be a lot clearer to you. Um, the king james version might make it a lot challenging for you to understand but the niv version makes it a little bit clearer uh, or a little more clear for you to uh see it the way god would have us to understand so isaiah 58 verse 1 says shout it aloud do not hold back rise or raise your voice Like a trumpet. This is the Lord telling Isaiah, his prophet, what he needs to do. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seemed, key word seemed, they seemed eager to know my ways as if. They were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. Now, I want to read verse 2 again. Look at this. is verse 2. Verse 2 in the NIV version says this. For day after day, talking about his people, God is talking about his people, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. Very powerful scripture. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted? They say, this is what the people say, and you have not seen it. So they said to God, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? We know God sees everything, right? But they're still, they feel that way. And so sometimes you may feel like that, that I'm praying or I'm fasting. And and why isn't God taking notice of it? And the reason why you say he's not taking notice is because he's not doing anything. And so they are saying here, why have we done these things, we have fasted, and you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? This is what the people are saying. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fist you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high so the prophet is speaking as god has given him the words to speak he said that you cannot fast as you want to fast and expect to hear from god is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Question mark. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderers with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and He will say, Here I am. If, you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing fingers and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fell. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairers of broken walls, restorers of streets with dwellings. There's a lot there to unpack. But the first thing I want to, I hope that we realize is that it's clear in the scripture that there is the fast that we choose and there's the fast that God chooses. And so for many years, as I've told you, being in church, I don't think I ever thought about that. That God has a specific fast that he chooses. And then all the other fast that we might read about is what man decide they want to do. Now, it's not like God won't honor you for sacrificing, but the results that God promises, you get those results doing what God says you need to do. And so what happens sometimes, if we would be honest with ourselves, is the results that we want is not the results God wants. That's probably the conundrum in a Christian walk is what you want a lot of times is not what God wants. And so that's the clashing that takes place in our walk with God. Because we're, we're trying to live for God. We're, we say we're Christians and we say we want to please God. But the problem is we're doing it the way we feel like we can do it because what we tell ourselves Well, I mean, that's just hard and, you know, um, God understands and, you know, that's just something that, you know, just think about it. Those people back in those days, they don't have the life that we have today, so it's just not, he understands it's just not possible to do some of those things. That's a slap in God's face when you think that. Because God transcends time. What one of the things that makes his word so powerful, not that it's not only that it's his word and his word establishes everything that we see and understand. But also, God is so awesome that he knew what he was teaching way back when and what he was causing his prophets to speak way back then, that it was still going to be good for 2020. If that's not true, you don't need to serve the God that you're serving if that's not how you see the God you serve. Because I don't want no God that's limited and is stuck in time. If if we think that the scriptures, well, it's a different time now. What we're saying is he's limited and he's trapped in time and he never considered 2020. That's not the God that I serve. And so I'm going to talk to you today about God's fast, God's fast, not man's fast. As I mentioned, the past few years, we did the Daniel fast, and um, it, it's, it's the fast that most people do in the beginning of the year, and I hope you all kind of kind of watch my little brain, how it works sometimes. And one of the things you ought to learn about me, if you haven't learned it yet, is I am going to try doing what God called us to do until it start working. Uh, that's just the way that I am. I'm not afraid to change. I'm not afraid to say, well, we've done that for a while and I haven't seen any change there. So let's 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 try something else and let's look into the word of God and see what it says and let's try that. And so what I've seen with the Daniel fast, good camaraderie. So that's why I encourage you you can still do it. But I'm looking for the power of God to move And so I didn't see the power of God like I wanted to see the power of God during the Daniel fast. And so I'm saying, I love the camaraderie that we really have when we do Daniel fast. I don't want to lose that, but I still want to see the power of God revealed in our church. So I said, let's look at the scriptures. And what does the scriptures tell us that we need to do in order to see the power of God unleashed and revealed in our church? And so... We had to go through the scripture and see what God talked about when he says his fast. Jesus spent more time telling his followers how not to fast. When you fast, don't you do this. When you fast, don't you do that. So he spent more time telling his followers how not to fast than to give direction to how to fast. Outside of his miraculous 40-day fast, which is recorded in Matthew chapter 4, we do not see Jesus or his disciples engaging in fasting as we see them engaged in other aspects of spiritual disciplines and formation. And so, when you read through scripture, as a matter of fact, a scripture that stuck out to me when I, when, when I read it, it said, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it before me, but one of the scripture that stuck out to me over the years in reading it was when the Pharisees must have said, Jesus' disciples don't fast a whole lot, I notice. Right? And so, Jesus and the disciples rolling and you know the the the, the Bible thumpers, the, the 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 ones that think they're all mighty and righteous, they say, "Yeah, they never fast." Yeah, I don't see them fasting, and Jesus got kind of respond by says, "They don't need to." The bridegroom is with them, and that always stick with me. That's a scripture that always stick with me because it was interesting that he responded like that. In Acts, the book of Acts, we also see limited fasting as seekers, Saul and Cornelius fasted in pursuit of God's purpose. If you go back and check Paul's fasting, Cornelius, when he fasted, you will see that they fasted in pursuit of God's purpose. Paul does not give principles for fasting as he does for prayer. While prayer can be found in most of his writing, fasting is only found in one of the apostles Paul writing. Did you know that? That's in 1 Corinthians 7 and 5. One of my favorite passages of scripture that we'll talk about when we get together with the marriage thing. That's that scripture that says that emphasis was placed on limited or maybe no marital sexual abstinence uh, to agreed upon during times of prayer and fasting. But as soon as that time of abstinence of prayer and fasting is over, then you must join back together again. That's the only time Paul talked about. Fasting in all of his writing in the New Testament. So it's interesting, interesting that this great man of God that wrote so much of the New Testament only talked about fasting once. But he talked about prayer a whole lot. Paul calls the church to pray without ceasing, but he does not give directions for fasting. In Matthew 6, Jesus discussed the three key elements of Jewish piety. Prayer, alms giving, and fasting. In each case, he suggested practitioners can easily reduce the discipline to a hypocritical farce, rather than acting on motivation that come from a right relationship with God. So, here is something we need to talk about. We're doing communion Sunday. This Sunday is the first Sunday of the new year. And we're doing communion this Sunday. Interesting. Uh, there are churches that do communion every first Sunday. Uh huh, they don't miss. Some that do it every fourth Sunday. They do it 12 times a year. And what Jesus is trying to get us to understand about spiritual principles or spiritual formation is that they must be birthed out of your eagerness to want to please God. They shouldn't come forth out of habit. If we do it out of habit, we will find ourselves... Being almost hypocritical, because we will do it almost as part of your righteousness. Remember the guy? I fast. Remember the guy that prayed? Remember, the the Bible talks about two men went down to pray. One prayed and said, I fast, I give alms, I pay tithes, and the other one... When he prayed, he says, Lord, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. The Bible says, the one that says, Lord, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me, had more favor from God than the other one that was reciting his resume. So if we're not careful, we will practice spiritual disciplines just to say how good we are or how righteous we are, and God is not pleased with that kind of behavior. So whatever spiritual disciplines that you practice in your life, you have to be sure that it's being birthed through your desire and your passion to say, I want to please God. I want to get closer to God. I want a better relationship with God. We can't allow our spiritual disciplines to just be formality or what we do all the time. I don't care if it's just reading your Bible, if it's just prayer, whatever it is, we can't allow it to just be what we've done and what we always do. It will not have impact because remember who causes things to happen is the Almighty God. This is why we read earlier when, when, when they, they was kind of upset with God. We're fasting and it's like you're paying us no mind. Now we see why God don't pay us mind when we're fasting. We're fasting for the wrong reasons. And that could be plenty of wrong reasons. But when you're fasting and nothing is happening, it means you're fasting for the wrong reasons. Yep. Some people fast to lose weight. That's cool. You'll lose weight. But if you're waiting for God to do something, you'll be waiting for a minute. In Isaiah 58, the prophet Isaiah began with descriptions that make us think all is going well. Listen to the descriptions. Yet they seek me daily. We got to be careful. This is, this is more than really talking about fasting. If you read more into it, you'll realize that we have to guard our faith and not allow ourselves to do these things that we're reading that the people of Israel was doing then. And then God had to send his prophet to talk to them. So they they started saying stuff, yet they seek me daily. The word of God says, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. That sounds good. You're seeking God daily. You delight to know his ways. As a nation that did righteousness, we come and we clap our hands. We lift our voice and sing. We do all the things we think that God is pleased in, that he commands us to do. So that's our righteousness. Forsook not the ordinance of God. Outwardly, we try to practice what the word of God say. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Those are all good things. And people do it all the time. Unfortunately, what appears to be spiritual discipline may just be self-centered carnality. What appears to be spiritual discipline may just be self-centered carnality. We know all the formality of how to do things to seem spiritual, to seem godly, to seem like we're really trying to seek God. But God knows the heart. Bible says He knows the heart and try to reign. So He knows. And so while we can deceive ourselves and deceive others, that this is what we're doing, and look at what we're doing, and I'm a faithful Christian, God knows if it's right. And it's coming from your heart. Or you're just doing it because you're self-centered. The Lord rebelled against their fasting because they sought pleasure. Created division. Took advantage of others. And engaged in harmful debate. He no longer wanted to even hear their voice. Listen. You can't decide that they think they can come against me. I'm going to fast against them. Fasting to get back at somebody for the Lord to take care of somebody don't work. I'm going to fast for them. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff we say. I'm going to fast for them and they'll see. They won't mess with me again. They don't know who they messing with. I'm going to fast for them. Well, that won't work. Fasting for God to straighten somebody out, that don't work. Jesus and Isaiah challenged us today to not serve self-centered ends. One of the biggest reasons why the clashing of of us trying to live for God, you know, happens, is because we cannot help ourselves for the most part. Everything it seems that we do, the end result is for us. And as long as we're built that way, we're going to always come short in trying to do God's will and trying to experience what God wants to do in our life. Because somehow, even without even thinking, whatever we're doing leads back to our benefit. What I always say, look in your life, your Christ-centered life, and say to yourself, what am I doing that is? Benefits God and God only and only and only if God decides he wants to throw me a bone will I ever be benefited. Only if God decide to throw me a bone will I be benefited. But what I'm doing is all for him. And if he never throws me a bone, I'm still doing it because it's all for him. We have to look at our Christian life and wonder that. Because just think, a lot of times we pray, we're not praying for anything other than what we want hmm. and so fasting go right along with that when we fast we're fasting because we want something and god i know he doesn't get frustrated but i'm gonna say it and god is frustrated just watching like what is wrong with you all every move we make is gonna end up being for our good when god already said i have that under control Give no thought what you may eat, what you may drink, or what you're going to wear. He also says, and we know all things work together for good. We have all those things. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you until the end of the earth. But we still go to God.
1: But he made a whole lot of
0: promises. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to those that are far off. That's another promise. But he said in Joel 2, I will pour out of my spirit. Upon all these are promises he made, but still we can't help ourselves. We're praying and fasting. But he made us all these promises that he'll take care of us, but somehow we still gotta go to him about what we need. Uh huh. How often you heard people say I did not get much out of the worship service or the preaching? Really, that's what you came for, huh? Or they say, "I need to change church because the larger church across town has more to offer my family. Tony, we never stop to think God put us in the small church because God wants to do something through us in the small church. We don't think that way. I need to go to that other church that take care of me and my family. This is where I'm telling you we struggle because we we don't see that part that God sent us to the small church because God is going to do something great in the small church and he wants to work in your life to establish that greatness in that small church because you know why? We realize it's a small church. I'm going to have to do some work. I'm going to have to put some effort in. But I go to the big church. I just sit back and let them do what they do because they got the big choir going already. They got the big youth ministry going already. They got all the stuff that cater to me. You see what I mean by really, at the end of the day, it comes back to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to big church, town. It's all good there. I get everything I want. Spiritual disciplines that seek to enrich or edify self, either by getting attention from others or misusing kingdom powers, for one own pleasure. That served to deform us rather than to form us. God is trying to form us. But if we're not careful, we will do some action that will deform us. Mm-hmm. In Matthew chapter 4, let's go take a look at what that scripture Show us a little bit. Matthew chapter 4 verse number 1 talks about Jesus' fast. Talks about Jesus' fast. Verse number 1 says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted of the devil. So the first thing is, he was led by the Spirit. He didn't do his own thing. The Spirit led him into the wilderness to go fast. And he was going to be tempted. Verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now what you to think about that whole thing we've read so far, Jesus didn't start fasting on his own. He was led by the Spirit to fast. Uh huh. Verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taken him up into a holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written... He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse number eight says, again the devil taketh him up into a high, into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now, look at this. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now, when Jesus heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is up on the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by prophet Isaiah. Saying that and it went on and talk and talk and talk. Now here is the big thing. Verse 17 is the key verse of all of that. We read all the good stuff. We like the good stuff that we read and that's great. But verse 17 is the key to all of what we just read. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven Is at hand. It's interesting. That's interesting. That all of those things transpired. And then. Here go Jesus. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What that was essentially saying was. That was the official launching of the ministry of Jesus. That was the official launching of the ministry of. Of Jesus. Now, if you follow closely, you'll probably realize by now that it was the Spirit leading Jesus to go into the wilderness to fast. And when he fasted, what happened after that? He fasted and his instruction was to go and start the ministry. Yeah, he got tempted and all that in between. But the instructions that came from fasting was to do the will of God. The instruction that came from fasting was to do the will of God. Church, fasting will help us to understand what is the will of God and what is your purpose in God. If you're fasting because You want to control God, you're in trouble. Because fasting, Jesus proved it to us, is supposed to allow you to seek God to know what is your purpose in Christ. To know what God is calling you to do. That's what fasting does. And so if we're fasting for other purposes, we may be misinformed. Because sometimes what will happen is you have something on your mind and on your heart for so long that you can pray and fast all you want. It's so embedded in your mind that you're going to think the Lord spoke it to you even though you weren't, you didn't have a clear heart, clear mind to let the Lord speak what he wanted to you. You just got this thing in your mind that you believe that God spoke it to you, but it was just something that was embedded in you. Yeah, And so we have to be careful of that. And so when you fast sincerely, if you come out of it with something other than the will of God, you probably didn't get the answer from God. Now that's tough. Because it's hard for us. Because we always want something for us. And so we felt and and with, probably was taught for so many years, go and fast and pray about it. And you think that's going to help you do something. That's going to help you, I don't know, coerce God to do something for you. Because that's kind of what we were kind of trained to think. That fasting coerces God to do something for you. But Jesus proved it. What did he get? What did Jesus get out the deal? Let's ask that question. Let's look at it. obeying the word of God, got baptized, you know, dove descended, boom, and all of a sudden, the spirit. All right. Need you go wilderness and I want you to fast. He went, obeyed the spirit, fast, pray, then he's done. He came out the wilderness, starving like Marvin, hungry. And the first thing he encountered was some devil trying to get on his nerves. He didn't get anything out of the deal. Then, after he defeat the devil and went on his business, I don't read anywhere where it says that, um, you know, people brought him food right then and there. He went on doing, preaching the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did he get out the deal? I want to know. He fasted, and you're not going to fast 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and what did he get out the deal? Now go preach my word. Woo! Woo! Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yes. 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 That's Bible. I know we, we, we've been accustomed to, you know, taking the Bible with our own way of feeling good about it. But the bottom line is, when you decide to fast, if you come out of that fast with anything but God's instruction to go do God's will, you heard from yourself. You didn't hear from God. Yes, ma'am. No. No. Now, you can look at it like that. Now, that's that's a good way to look at it. But how many of us really think that we have is the privilege, especially now, maybe maybe 20, 30 years ago, Sister Crystal, that people when when God called them to do God's work, because it's bad now. You're young, so, you know, you probably don't know what it was like, you know, 30 years ago in, in, in in the kingdom of God. But nowadays, 30 years ago, people did think like that. 40 years ago, 50 years ago, people thought like that. Like, wow, God spoke to me to go do this. And they were just elated. It benefited them nothing. It profit them nothing. At that time, too, you wasn't really recognized because, as we know, talking in tongues was of the devil, according to people. And you was just an outcast to be some apostolic person. So you really was going to be persecuted when he called you to do such great things for him, but they still realized it was a privilege. They didn't realize that. Today, oh no. Oh no. God tell people to do stuff and they're like, "Oh no, that wasn't God." God told me to go to the big church across the up, the up the way. That's what God told me to do. He told me to go to the big church over there and and even, I'll give you, I'll give you a good one. This is a good one. Within our organization and other organizations, people are more interested in sitting under a pastor till he get old and take the church over, as opposed to going and starting a church from scratch. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> that's right, not in this church. But, 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 but absolutely is what I'm telling you that that's where we have come to though. You know, it's where we've come to. We think the will of God is going to have to bring comfort to us or give us something. It's never that we're gonna have to go and serve God in a capacity that we just won't be looked upon very favorably. We don't think like that. We operate that, hey, oof, God's getting ready to do some good stuff for me. Jesus' own fast in Matthew is related to his ordination of being sent to go preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 13, fasting was done to send off missionaries. In Acts chapter 14, fasting was done to appoint elders. (laughs) It's always to do the will of God. Fasting is never for you to, yeah, look at me, I'm, you know, I'm somebody or this is, no, fasting is for the will of God to be done. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for testing. Jesus demonstrated He would not use His authority for self-gratification even in time of need. He was hungry. He could have turned the stones to bread. But he did not use his spiritual authority, his spiritual power to benefit him. I've learned a couple of things, a lot of things I've learned about the Lord. But here's two secrets that I'm going to tell you. Watch out, that you better make sure you stay away from this. Do not ever abuse any spiritual authority God has entrusted you with. And do not abuse people. Oh. There's something that God just, I don't know, that's his, his godly anger. But you mistreat or misguide God's people, God take that personal. You abuse the authority that God has given you to do his will, God takes that personal. And so, a lot of times, I was talking to my mother the other day, and I was telling her this. A lot of times... Not all the time. Please don't quote me and say all the time. A lot of the times when you see a strong, successful church begin to crumble is because one or two things. People are being abused or spiritual authority is being misused. God don't play those games. He don't play those games. It is very important. Moses proved it. Moses went into serving God. Humbly, all of that good stuff. But you know why God called him home when he when his eyes were not dim and his strength was not abated? You know why God said, Come on, bro, we gotta go. Because he could no longer deal with the people. No patience. Angry, striking rocks. Can't believe these people. That's something that I held on tight to when God has called me to start this church. I said, Okay, God, I see that. I see that when I start when I when I when I'm starting to be frustrated and not have patience and not loving the people that God called me to pastor, It's time to throw this mic to somebody else and give somebody else the the, the authority to do what they got to do, because God will wipe me out. If I start operating like that, he showed us with Moses and even pastors today, if they get frustrated with the people and they allow the people to make them get in the pulpit and in the pulpit, some of y'all nice christian folks they never experienced that and that's good but there's some path they get in the pulpit and it's almost like they lashing you front with the preaching they come hard and it's like you're getting a beating (laughs) brother darryl you're laughing because you never experienced that (laughs) it's like you're getting a beating god don't have tolerance for that god only god is the only one that beat his kids he ain't letting nobody else beat his kids. And so the bottom line is, if he puts you in charge as the um, the, 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 the eldest son spiritually, you better go complain to him about what's going on and leave the kids alone. Because if you mess with his kids, oh, he going to get you. Don't, don't play those games. You don't abuse his authority that he's given you to lead his people, and you don't abuse his people. Very important. Hear that, Brother Hasker? Yes, sir. And so he didn't misuse his authority. Jesus did. He didn't turn the stones to bread to satisfy his desire. He was hungry. And he still didn't turn the stones to bread. So we have to realize when we fast and seek God for his will, whatever it is that he's telling us is never to do something that make us comfortable. Uh huh. Performing miracles he didn't do to draw his attention. He could have did something right there on the spot with the devil, but he just handled it in a godly way as he is and just did what he had to do. Jesus then began his public ministry after all of that, not getting anything out the deal except for just being joyous that, man, I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing the will of myself. I don't know, you know. Fasting set us free from pursuing our own purposes and share God's blessing with those in need. Let me say that again. Fasting set us free from pursuing our own purposes and share God's blessing with those in need. In Isaiah 58, Jesus used Isaiah to proclaim to to the people that they should undo the heavy burdens, release the oppressed, break the yokes, feed the hungry, bring the poor into their houses, and clothe the naked. When you fast, God will cause you to put your focus on the need of others and what he wants you to do. When you fast, you begin to understand the purpose of God, and you'll begin to understand the need of people. When you really fast. Not trying to lose weight or trying to do something to say, look at me. But when you really fast. Notice the spiritual formation that happens with the Lord's fast. The Lord promised open communication. Light in dark moments. Water in their... Deserted land, revival to take place, the opportunity to receive a new name, and the repairing of breaches. By turning from their own needs and using their own resources to alleviate the suffering of others, they receive the most precious reward, which is God working in their life. Listen, I can't tell you how to go about this. But I talked about it, I guess, this past Sunday. And man, I'm telling myself this just as I'm telling you this. We got to start looking around and see how we can use what we have to be a blessing to those in need. I can't tell it to you enough. That's part of what we're going to experience in our liberation. Is as we begin to give our resources that God is afforded afforded us as we begin to give our resources to people in need and those people in need may not be in this church but as we begin to give our resources to people in need we will begin to feel a sense of liberation and begin to experience the power of god in our life like we've never experienced it god is calling us to that place it's not a coincidence that he gave me that word for last sunday and now he's just directing us this way and he's talking about total freedom I'm catching what he's shown me. I'm catching what he's directing. He wants us to be free. And part of being free is to unburden yourself from the things of your possessions and all of the things that you have accumulated. you got to ease the burden of that. The spiritual discipline of abstaining from all, from your own pleasures, from the from for your best interest of others, radically transform you into the image of who God called you to be. And so, when you abstain from all of your pleasures, yeah, let me do this and let me do that, and let me do this and let me... And pleasures can simply be the places you go. Because a lot of times... We want to do things that make us feel good, and that includes where we go. And that's why church becomes a challenge sometimes for us, because, or should I say, church service? If you want to be politically correct, church services become a, a challenge for us because people that are not Christians come to church because they have have a need. People that are not Christians come to church because they have a need. Unfortunately, Christians are kind of doing that. Come to service because they have a need. But as long as things are going good, I can skip a few services. Yeah. Yeah. But why is that? Because because when I have a need, I can come in and receive. But when I don't have a need, I have to come in and give. And we don't like giving. We like receiving. You understand how this thing is working? How it's shaping up for us? We don't come when things are going good. Because in our mind, I'm good. But what you're really saying is, I only come when I need something. And when I don't need anything, I ain't coming. No need for me to go. I don't need anything. Remember what I told you. Don't be a cheap Christian. And I'm not talking about financially. Cheap Christians is one that want to make it into heaven doing the least that they can do you cheap you don't want that go to restaurant and leave a dollar or two or five dollars at the most don't be a cheap Christian you know what don't, you't you don't, you don't want to try to make it in as 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 easy as possible don't be a cheap Christian I'm good If that's all I got to do. And so many people today. Got to be honest with you. They're being cheap Christians. A lot of people. You can see it. There was a time when you can tell. Every service that church is going to be packed. Because. People had a different mindset then people was coming. A lot of people was coming then to give. I'm going to go in and worship the Lord. I'm going to go in and give him my best praise. I'm going to go in and honor him. And then the ones that are not Christian, I got to get to church because I need God to help me. So you had that combination that was working real good. The ones that were real Christian, they were going to bless the Lord and worship him and be able to be a witness and be able to encourage somebody. So you got them that's going for that reason. And then the ones that are going because they're lost they're going because they're saying maybe god will say something to me or maybe this is the night i'm going to give my life to the lord repent of my sins and get that so it was a great flow of of how things were working both sides the sinners and the saints had the desire to go because they knew what needed to be done when they went now we just kind of lost our way there because if i'm good no need. I, I can miss this one. You know how long I've been in church? You know how long I've been in church, Brother Scott? You can say that and miss some service. Because that's how they rolling now. You can you can say, man, I've been going to church since my eyes was at my knee. I can miss a couple service. God's not going to be mad about that because I've been going to church a long time. And I'm going to read your mind and tell you, you're saying that because you only go to church for what you need. That's why you will say that. Because you're going for what you need. But when you're going, because you're going to give of yourself. Oh, you know, you can always give. You always, there's always an opportunity to give. And so you understand that. The Lord's fast. Helps us take our eyes off ourselves and give us vision to see the possibilities of transformation to take place in this world. So when you go through Isaiah and you read it, you'll see that people were fasting for the wrong reasons. And God had to shake them up a little bit and say, why do you think I haven't responded to you? I haven't responded to you because you're fasting for the wrong reasons. We can't fast to get God to do something. Remember that. I know that's a tough one to get off of, especially for some of us that's been in church a long time. You don't fast to move God. If God moved while you fast, God was intended to move, was intending to move even before your fast. Your fast didn't make him move. Your fast didn't make him move. That's what he had intended to do before you even thought about fasting. So don't take it and run with it and say, Oh yeah, I went on a fast and God moved. No, you went on a fast. And your spirit got right. And so now whatever God was doing, you now connected with what God was doing. You now was able to understand what was, what God was doing. You was now able to now walk in your purpose. And that's how you began to, Begin to experience the spiritual authority and and begin to sense the spirit of God because you now became alert, vigilant. You now connected yourself with what God was doing. It was never that you did something to get God to move. God move when God's going to move. Yes, ma'am. Give me an example. Like for instance, well, that's the same thing. So, so it, I'm still asking for myself. In other words, that can come from two different places, I guess, if you want to be technical. So you can, you can come from a place and say, I want to be used of God because of your pride. Look at me what I'm doing in the kingdom of God. Or I want to be used because I see great need, God, and I want to make sure I'm doing what you want me to do. So God just direct me and it's the humble kind of seeking God. And that's really what we're we're supposed to be humbly seeking God because we want to make a difference in the kingdom. We know he called us to the kingdom to do something. And so we're asking so he can work in our lives. But there are some people that pray that prayer because they want God to work in their life, but that's coming from a place of pride. It is so. A lot of times, so I would say when you seek God. Hopefully your mind will be blank. When you seek him for something and, and, and again, you know, I've said it before. A lot of time we're seeking him with preconceived ideas and notion in our minds already. And if that's what you're doing, uh, that's where the pride thing could be messing with you. Because you already judge what you think you should be doing. But you got to pray and ask God, wipe this mind clean from any preconceived idea that's not according to your will. And let me have a pure heart and a clear mind so when I seek you, Lord, for what you want, I can hear your voice specifically for what you want me to do. And here's something else to add about, you know, seeking God for his will. A lot of times when God directs you concerning his will is something you're uncomfortable doing. Very few times that God directs you and you're like, yes, Oh, I always knew that. Don't happen much. Most of the time when God tells you to do something, you don't even want to talk to nobody about it. Because it's not what you—it's not what you thought. Because I'll go a little bit further and tell you this. One of the reasons you're going to know God called you to do something is it was something that was in your heart that you was trying to avoid. <laughs> it's something working, and you, you're like, Mm-mm, and you start figuring out all the reasons why you don't want to do that. God, don't get glory. When you are doing something that you think, I got this. God gets glory when you are approaching to do something that you feel inept and inadequate to do. That's when God is going to get the glory. <laughs> I remember. The first time. I was in a pulpit of any sort standing before any church people. My words wasn't always clear. And I said, um, a lot. Yes, um, a lot. My words wasn't clear. I didn't pronounce everything the right way. I sweat a lot because I'm just like, I'm just embarrassing myself. Because that's what God does. He puts you in places that will cause you to feel less than. And when you're operating in places that you feel like, oh, I got this uh, may not be what God called you to do. Mm -hmm. He puts you in places that make you uncomfortable so you can see the hand of the Lord in what you're doing. Because you'll know I couldn't do that. I'm not saying that he didn't bless you with gifts and talents that he will use. I'm just saying a lot of times what God is calling you to do, you're going to be uncomfortable doing because. It's just how God do things. So that thing that you have in your heart, it's about three of y'all in here tonight that have something in your heart and had it in your heart for a little bit and you haven't touched it because it's uncomfortable and it's not something you thought that you should be doing. And God wants you to know that it's exactly what he's calling you to do and he's going to wait you out. So let's see who can wait who out. If you gonna wait God out or God gonna wait you out, but I'm just telling you, it's just the way it is. About three of you in here, they got some stuff that you haven't moved on it because it's really not your thing. And God is like, oh, it's not your thing? I'm the giver of all gifts. Uh huh. All good and perfect gifts come from above. So, so, so when you, when you act like you can't do something, you know what that's called? P R I D E. <laughs> we talked about this Sunday. <laughs> when you justify stuff, P R I D E concerning the Lord. You don't need to justify anything when the Lord says, "Come on." So, we're going to start fasting and for 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 the next 4 weeks. Wednesday. No, you're not fasting for 4 weeks straight. Just Wednesdays. <laughs> just wednesdays sister hasker i don't think the lord wants you to fast Sister hasker no i don't think he wants you to fast so on wednesdays i want you to try to fast some of you might have to do you know a meal one meal because of your situation you may be taking medication or whatever the case may be um but those of you that can um just drink water um from what we call a day so the day is um, put 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 some kind of time on it, maybe from 6 p.m. Um, till 6 p.m. the next day. That's 24 hours. So from 6 p.m. Wednesday to 6 p.m. Thursday, um, that that would be 24 hour. But but you have to get up in the morning, and you have to seek God for what He wants, for what He wants to do in you, and what He wants to do through you. And remember, if you get some instruction from God and it's to make you feel good and it's to comfort you, then go back to prayer. Don't, 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 don't.